All right, podcast people. I need to tell you about Talk the Thrones. If you haven't seen it yet, make sure to watch The Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk the Thrones. Each week, Andrew Greenwald, Mother of Dragons, Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, and our very own Jason Concepcion are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends and can be found on the Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. The crew will be reacting at the same time as you, contextualizing the events, explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk the Thrones. You can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope, at Ringer. Here we are. Welcome back. Another exciting episode of House of Cards. Part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your hungry host, Joe House. This is the podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people. Later in the show, we have on, of course, the doyen of food news, Juliette Littman herself. We also have a very nice visit with LA food scene expert, the Ringer's own Craig Gaines. We're gonna talk about the Apple Pan. But before that, we have an outstanding interview with the very best pizza maker in the entire universe. He's not just the best pizza maker in the United States or the best pizza maker in the world. We're gonna say he's the best pizza maker in the universe. Chris Bianco is on to tell us about making pizza, his brand new cookbook. Let's jump right into it. Podcast people, let's listen to the man, Chris Bianco. All right, pals, I am incredibly excited for this guest. He's been making pizza by hand since 1988, probably before then. He has been called a pizza savant, a James Beard, (laughs) best chef winner, widely regarded as America's very best pizza maker, somehow both a Mets fan and a Phoenix Suns fan, Chris Bianco, welcome to House of Carbs, my friend. Here I've we go. arrived. This is it. I'm, it's beautiful, man. So happy to be here. So happy to be here. Quite the honor. So, Chris, I want to start, if it's okay with you, I want to, I want to take you, you know, we're going to go into the, into the way back machine. I want to go all the way yeah. back. You're 24, 25 years old. You win two free yeah. tickets to fly anywhere in the continental United States of America, and you choose yeah. Phoenix? Well, it's kind of a buddy of mine. What happened was, it wasn't exactly, it sounds, the real story was a buddy of mine bought a Ford Mustang. I think I was 23, but, but the buddy of mine bought a Ford Mustang, and with that, you got two tickets anywhere in the continental United States, you know, of course not Hawaii or any other good places. But, um... So yeah, we were supposed to get to California, but uh, we we we, uh, we found it was a little more expensive. So we 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 ended up in uh, Phoenix, and the people here in Phoenix were nice enough to let me stay. So it all worked out. So you <laughs> you decided to go ahead and set up a shingle there. Was that back in like 1988? That was, it was actually 86, uh, and it, it was 86. I opened up my first restaurant here in 88, but uh, 86. Yeah. Okay. Is when, uh, 
I loaded Got up it. the wagon and headed west. You know. So, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. A good boy from the Bronx loads up the wagon and heads yeah. west. So look, uh, you, you had a small a small kitchen in 1988. Uh-huh. You open it up. What, what's your kitchen. game plan? What's your game plan? My game plan then or now? Yeah, then. My, then. my, my game plan then is if I had one was um you know survive uh, you know everything. I I've, even now I felt the future was presumptuous, so I kind of uh, you know I I I, I was like uh, you know. As most uh, things in my life were, you know, you, you you cook because you're hungry, you know, not from. It's like going to the grocery store when you're when you're when you're hungry versus full. And I was out here at the grocery store of life, and I was starving. So I I, I went back to, you know, what I knew how to do. I mean, where I, you know, I grew up in the. I was born in the Bronx, and then I we moved to the small town Austin, New York, just up the beautiful Hudson River. And uh, you know, I was 13. I I got a little. Worked in a little pizzeria, and ever since I, you know, kind of fell in love with food, and it was just uh, a job that I was doing until I got a, grew up and got a real job, and I'm still waiting to grow up. So it's kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, something that that I did that I loved. It was, you know, sometimes people say, "Oh, I love your concept, your concept," or, and for me, it was just, you know, if I was, uh, you know, if I was a Dutch cobbler uh, I, making shoes, I would have probably did that and been just as happy, and you know, and uh, hopefully did something. Maybe special with my life in the interim. So, Chris, it's the the late '80s, and yep. you know you're known now for having this intense focus on on sourcing. That the the crucial thing to the success of your pizza is the the very mm-hmm. basic elements of it. How how did you find uh, you know sort of building those ingredients back in the late '80s? Because this idea of sourcing is is a pretty new phenomena. Well, I think the thing was it's kind of a it's kind of uh, like most things, you know, the, you know, I always say the next thing I ever invent will be the first thing. And I think it's just like, you know, as we reflect to anything of worth, you know, people probably been through uh, this before. And, and I think as far as the, the food movement, you know, people want to think about local and organic and, right. and, you know, I, I look forward to a day when we don't use those words, we just fill them with, you know, sensibilities and, uh, uh, you know, cooking sensibilities and you know for so for me you know i always looked at cooking from my back door out you know made sense so if you you know i don't care if you live in an apartment in new york city you know you can grow you know a pot of basil or, or grow whatever you want on the you know that'll grow on the on, on the on the windowsill and start from there or maybe you go down the you know the farmer's market and it starts from there or you go to the meat shop and you know he brings stuff down from hudson valley or wherever you are you you, you kind of you know, there's a, you know, uh, you know that kind of start where you are mentality. So I think it was just something that could we take something like I would say, you know, I like to cook food that people like to eat. It's not something like, oh my God, did you see what this guy invented? It was more like, hey man, pizza is fair play. It's 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 you know, it's the first food we eat out of our house. It's you know, it's it's the first food that we call our own after little league or you know, your first date. You know, it's it, you know, there's a romanticism to it, kind of like with barbecue. So if you can take those elements, like, hey, we like this for some, some reason, unknown reason. I think I understand a little bit of the reason, uh, but but now if we can go deep into it, say, hey, people like it. Now the rest of the study, when a lot of the book was about, is like, you know, you ask the question, what makes good things good? And and as in most things in life, you know, the parallels are are endless. You know, you know, metaphorically, this is about food, but you know, if you say, hey, man, what makes a good championship sports team? 
it isn't just about the guys with the best stats. You know, it's about people that play well together. You know, don't be an asshole. Or, you know, those are the, the realities of, of uh, uh, that they play well in food. I mean, things that grow together go together. You know, understanding the seasons, understanding your limitations of your kitchens or your audience. You know, if I'm cooking for my four-year-old daughter, you know, uh, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not saying, hey, sit back. I know what's fantastic. It's like, hey, let me think about it with those little chiclets in her mouth or teeth. Uh, I'll make something that she can, you know, that she can dig and we'll start from there. So, yeah, well, so that's you, you uh, mentioned working uh early in your life at your the family pizzeria were this was this kind of a approach part of the the family tradition is that how you came upon no no my idea? family didn't like have a, a pizzeria i mean i worked in a pizzeria as a kid but my family my dad's a a portrait painter my mom you know worked at sex with Avenue new york for 25 years you know in the bridal department uh you know uh designing wedding bells you know i'm the only idiot that went in the to food is a, is a job, you know, uh, you know, food ah, was something we did and it was I omnipresent. It. I mean, you know, I mean, I think that's the whole thing. And that's the other part of not just in the book, but when I talk to people, I try to engage that, you know, if you're starting to cook, you got to realize that, you know, immediately twice as much as you think you do. I mean, it's like anything else. You know, we live in a world that continues to deny what we think we know, like fucking fake news or, you know, like what we see with our own eyes or what we, we taste right. it, we know it's delicious. Like, I don't need to tell you what's delicious. You need to go out and say, what do I like? And I dig this. And then you got to say, you know what? I dig this and it tastes good. But now I'm going to do my own diligence because I do care where my food comes from. And I do care what it's grown with. And I do care the pesticides it is or it isn't grown with or the money that I'm giving to the people that grow it. So, you know, what makes good things good to me isn't gospel. You know, there's just right. my own personal philosophy that, you know, I'm sharing with some people, and if, if if they align with it, I'm more I'm more than happy to to wax as poetic as I can about it. But you know, by no means am I here to preach or I have some gospel approach to anything. It's just like, hey, this is my experience with something. I'm 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 at it every day, trying to make it better than I found it, trying to make it better than I thought it was yesterday. And you know, it's just like you know, our fathers. I always talk about the unintentional sins of our father, like. We didn't know the Marlboro Man, you know, uh, uh, you know, two packs a day would catch up with him. We didn't know that, you know, smoking was bad for us. Well, now we do, so we can make a decision. Like, we don't care, or, you know, maybe we should, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know change, our, change our habits to, to a healthier lifestyle if it matters to you. So I think yeah. those are the principles that kind of lead my life, and, you know, and uh, somehow I, 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 I worked that into pizza and other things that I like to. Well, and, and uh, it, it caught some folks' attention along the way here. I mean, you don't have to be modest about it. You have a mini empire there in Phoenix with five different, yeah. you know, establishments. And, and the thing I'm interested in, at what point did your pizza start catching attention out there in Phoenix? Oh, man. There was, um, there was uh, a woman named Michelle Schicoloni who was a food writer from Brooklyn, New York. Mm. I think mm -hmm. it was in about 19... Uh, 96, and she wrote a book about pizza, and um, she called us her favorite pizza in the United States, and that got some attention, and then the New York Times picked up the story, and, you know, and then we ended up getting like a 29 in the Zagat poll, which I didn't even know what the Zagat was at the <laughs> time, and, you know, and, and you know, it's, it was just, uh, you know, a, a kind of, um, it's interesting, too, I think, I think, you know, 
first off, man, I, I'll be the first one to tell you that I've, 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 I've been incredibly fortunate in my life. And, um, uh, you know, I've, I've also, you know, worked hard to, to, to kind of share the wealth. And as far as the people that helped me along the way, all the, you know, this is not a single, uh, experience by any means, right. you know, like right. I had a lot of, a lot of help along the way. So, well, it's not a single experience. You have, you have, uh, you know, a reputation. It's legendary. The lines to get into Bianco, uh, and yeah. now you know yeah, you've man, established. You know what? You know what though, it's 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 funny. I mean, you know, the lines. You know, we're open for lunch now. The lines are shorter. You know, okay. that was something that always killed me. Like, you know, like sometimes people go, said, "Oh, you made me wait three hours." You know, or I'm like, "Damn, dude, trust me. I wanted to take your money about two hours and forty five minutes ago. <laughs> it was breaking my heart watching you wait out there." And yeah. I, I'm so grateful, but I didn't make you, but I'm incredibly grateful for it. So every day I was saying, how can I serve people, you know, with, you know, with, 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 with you know, uh, uh, you know, without compromise, you know, uh, a, a little bit, a little bit, uh, uh, make it a little bit easier on all of us. And, you know, now that I'm older, you know, we've, we've really studied, you know, how to get, how to get people, uh, you know, we've opened uh, a couple of restaurants. Each right. one's a little bit different, and uh, you know we built a staff of people that, you know, I've I've always been kind of uh, uh, not in a in a in a in a dark way, but I've always been pretty uh, in touch with my own mortality. You know, I understand this is a pretty short ride on this bus of life, so I wanted to make sure that, you know, I, I was always sad, like in New York when the when the candy store closed or the you know whatever that you loved, you know, the shoe dropped or. Cleon Jones would get in trouble, or you know, uh, Mookie Wilson would get traded, or or Lenny Dykstra would get traded for Juan Samuel. Whatever it was at the yeah. time that that, that that you know you didn't want to happen, like uh, you know you did your best to. If I could control it, well, that Dykstra thing, I guess, would be a good thing at the end of the day. <laughs> but 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 uh, you know, as much as I could, I wanted not the shoe to drop. I wanted, you know, when I was blessed with a little bit of success, it really made me every day work harder to exceed your expectation. And that's something today still drives me. I, I, I do give a shit. You know, but obviously, hey, I got nothing to prove. I, do, I got something to prove every day to myself, yeah. to my family, to my peers. You know, I wanted the respect of, you know, if you're a musician, like I love that my, you know, when my grandfather was alive or, you know, my family, they love what I do, but I wanted, you know, chefs to respect my struggle. You know, I'm sure like in your business, you know, it's great that I think you're great, but I'm sure you want people that understand the struggle to say, hey, man, I know how hard it is to put that together. And I think that's something I'm, I'm very conscious of, that I, wanna, I want people to kind of look behind the curtain and, and, and be transparent and provide for them a, a, a good view and they can find my own sense of, 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 of place in the world, you know, if there is. Yeah. Well, you're a very uh, down-to-earth, humble dude. We know that by reputation. We've seen you uh, in various media. I do. I want to ask, though. I mean, we know about your relationship with Jimmy and how that friendship has has developed. But as you as the pizza started to get popular in Phoenix and some yeah. folks of some yeah. notoriety started to come through, was there anybody? Was there a moment where somebody came into your restaurant and enjoyed the pizza that was kind of a wow moment for you? Uh, let's see. Um. Well, you know, meeting Jimmy here was the best. He's one of my best pals in the business uh, in life, and and uh, that was that was probably a highlight because of the end result of my my sure. my friendship. Where sometimes you meet somebody that you know that uh, changes your life in a lot of ways. And um, but I mean, 
I don't know. There's been a lot of people, you know, like I think for different reasons that you respect, you know, and, and you know, you get to have a moment with them. I mean, uh, uh, you know, you get to share a minute with uh, Jack Nicholson or Seinfeld or, you know, or whoever. And, and somehow you're able to, to find something about them which makes them great in the world, you know, like, like yeah. beyond the obvious. Oh, you're funny or you're serious or, you know, like you say, I mean, you're, you seem like a, a conscious soul and, and good people, and I think that's the most common denominator. I mean, I was, like I said, been very blessed to, like Forrest Gump, be in situations I have no no place in, uh, to be in and not much to offer in my own head. But somehow the people, you know, that I've been blessed to be around have made me feel like, you know, ask what I think about something, and, and um, it, it's been a very empowering opportunity to hopefully me do the same for other young people behind me, you know, maybe I can... Well, that's, that's right. Here, here we are. Here, here, here we, we are. are. The cookbook, right? Tuesday, <laughs> July the 24th, yeah. the, the book, the book, July the 25th, the book's coming out. Only 30 coming pages out, of yeah. this cookbook, Chris, about pizza. 200-page book, only 30 of it on pizza. Yeah, well, you know, it's like, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, it's pizza, it's pasta, it's other food I like. I mean, that's the whole thing. One day I maybe yeah. just do it, just right. pizza book, but this book was just as much about, you know... Here's the thing. I love pizza, but I don't love it more than I love, period. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes, yes. like, you meet people no matter what. Oh, they love this, but, you know, they're an asshole. You know, like, like and, it, and it washes away everything that, for me. Like, I do give a shit if I love yep. the movie, but the actor is, is a dick, you know? Mm. So, yeah. I, I, you know, so I wanted to show, hey, you know, everything I cook or ate in my life has, you know, there's, I don't cook a, a fucking pancake with any less passion or thoroughness that I do a pizza or, you know, you know, it's just like, okay to be slack here and not give a shit. And then all of a sudden, you know, the lights are on or, you know, uh, you know, this is something I'm, I'm, uh, you know, it just didn't make any sense to me. So it was a way to hopefully to empower other people that, you know, if, if you do do pizza, if you do do pizza, if you dig it, or maybe you, 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 you know, you, you understand to make an omelet that, I'm trust me, dude. You can make a pizza, and you can make a bowl of pasta, and you can, you know, like if if I'm reading the book and I can get three recipes, I think there's some really pretty special recipes in the book. I mean, objectively, but like for me, anytime I read a cookbook and I I'm obsessive about them, if I can get three go-to moves in my arsenal, that's a home run. So I think I try to more expound on, like you know, it's always been like look at my menu. There's six pizzas on it, and my other restaurants, you know, my Trattoria, there's, you know, eight dishes on them. You know, this is not a place you're going to be like, holy shit. Like, did you see the variety in his... Like, my, my, my vocabulary is relatively limited. Things I dig are pretty limited. My circle of people I love is, is pretty close to me and my heart. You know, those people. Yeah. So it's never been about, you know, you know we got you know, to get something for everybody. I could have 10,000 recipes. And people said, you know, I liked it, but, you know, I really wanted that one thing you had that one day. I'm like, all right, enough for it. You know, it's just. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, I love that, that segue. Help me with this. What, what yeah. are you, what are you eating right now? And how often are you cooking for yourself? Oh, that's a fantastic question. I'm eating whatever you're cooking, brother. I'm, I'm in. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, you know, I'm, I like to submit to whatever you do. And I think that's been a huge part of my own influence is where. Like, I, I never show up. Like I, like I said, I understood a long time ago I would never be the party, but I want to be invited to the party. You know what I'm saying? Sure, and, of course. And You and me both. And I think with that being said, I've been invited to some good parties. 
So I'm usually cooking what I'm influenced by. Uh, you know, uh, I just came back from a, a slow food event in a foodie event in Denver with my buddy Chad Robertson from Tartine, great baker, and in um, uh, in San Francisco. And you know, we went around and you know, just submitted to some, you know, you know what was going on in, in Denver, Colorado, in in in, in in July, and it was great peaches and you know, great some great produce, and just kind of sitting in front of whatever people have to offer. That's what I'm 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 obsessive about. Like whatever whatever is whatever is on the radio, man. I wanna I wanna make sure we got a good set of speakers. You know. Well, I have we have a couple minutes left, and I want to make sure we have Let's some time. What we always end with last yeah. meal on earth. Let's do it. La- last meal on earth. Yeah, last meal on earth, man. Well, I tell you. For me, I think I want. I think I'm gonna skip it. I think I want to die hungry. I want to just die fucking starving. You know, I think I want to like really think about all the other meals I had and uh, kind of go into the the, the next uh, plateau, ready to receive whatever they're gonna bring on. So and and, and be grateful for all those great meals I I, I did have. And, uh, That's a, you know what. I did not anticipate that answer, but it fits uh, everything that we just learned about you over the last half hour. Chris Bianco, thank you so much for coming on, my hey, man. bless you, Joe. Thank Love you, brother, man. You Thanks now. for having me. I, I super appreciate it. And uh, go Suns, baby. All right. Good luck with the book. And I, I'll tell you right now, I'm inviting myself out to Phoenix for a Suns game and a little pizza. We're going to sit yeah, together hey, and watch. Yeah, you got to have, man. You got to have Earl Watson on. That dude, is a, he's a super bad dude. I mean, he's awesome. I, I right. believe what he's preaching, though. Yeah. All right. Well, Earl, Earl, it's, you a, it's a done on. deal. It's a done deal. All right, Love baby. you, Chris. Thank All you, right. buddy. Thanks so much. God bless you. All right. Big thanks to Chris. Coming up next, the doyen of food news, Juliet Littman. But first, this brief message. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I wanted to tell you about the Ringer's new podcast, Black on the Air, hosted by the one and only, the great one, Larry Wilmore. Even though he's a Lakers fan, I still like him. I think he's talented. But he has all kinds of guests on, from Neil deGrasse Tyson to Al Franken to Bernie Sanders. You name it, they're coming on. Pop culture, politics, newsmakers. And then at at the beginning of every podcast, Larry does a little riff about whatever is either sticking in his car or things that he's enjoying. Although he has been enjoying much lately, the way the world's going. But uh, Larry will riff on anything. And then he has guests on. It's great. If you liked everything else that he's done, comedy-wise, if you love this Comedy Central show, you will love this podcast. It is a medium that he has built for it. It's called Black on the Air. Hosted by Larry Wilmore. Get it wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. And now back to my good friend, the very hungry Joe House. All right, podcast pals. Managing editor at The Ringer, host of the Bachelor Party and Jam Session podcast, the one, the only, Miss Juliet Littman. Welcome back, Juliet. We missed you last week. Thanks. I was, uh, I was beginning to think I might be the House of Carbs Matt Damon. Like, you know how on Jimmy Kimmel, he's always like, and thanks, sorry to Matt Damon, we're short on time. That's how I felt last week. I was like, oh, no. I've already become Matt Damon status. No, 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 <laughs> we would never do that to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm thrilled to be back. I really missed you last week. Before we really jump into it, um, I have been amazed by what we've seen on the Twitter and the Instagram of pictures and descriptions from the people, from the hungry people. The thirsty people. Of, and the, Well, that's really the better way to say it. The thirsty people with all of their versions of the Juliet. I know. I'm pretty into it myself, I have to say. I, it, I find it touching. Thanks to everyone who's 
taking a leap of faith on a wonderful beverage, uh, adult beverage. If we were like real business people, we would figure out a way to brand the thing and and market it We'd and put your it. name on it, yeah. all, all kinds of stuff. But uh, Maybe we we're can, not those. Can we get Bethany Frankel involved? Are you a Real Housewives of New York <laughs> yeah, viewer? No, I know who Bethany is. She's the skinny girl, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we could, you know, there's got to be an angle. There's got to be a way to turn the Juliet into a thing. It could be like the Juliet by Bethany. I, I don't like that. <laughs> I want the Juliet by Juliet. <laughs> Uh, Thanks, man. You support but me. But obviously, big love to all the peeps out there. The peeps love the Juliet. Someone also tweeted at us um, something called a Romeo, which was very intriguing. The Romeo that would go with the Juliet. Let's it, hear about the Romeo. Yeah. I want to hear about it. So the, the Romeo looks to be a combination of Maker's Mark whiskey, mm. um, an IPA, and, <laughs> okay. a, and a splash of pineapple juice with a straw on ice. I, I mean, I get it. It's that's that's a manly drink, an IPA and, and Maker's Mark with the splash of of pineapple. That's what that's the bond. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, so now we have the Romeo and the Juliet. Yeah, shout out to at Luke Grainer. He's the one who tweeted this at us. It looks good. Shout out. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'll I'll try that. I I don't know. It seems like the IPA choice of IPA is pretty important. You could it feels like you could go off the rails pretty quickly. This one I think might be a local Minnesota IPA. He said this is the okay. Minnesota Romeo and it's from Surly Brewing Company and it's called Extra Citra Pale Ale. I just yeah, I'll be honest. That makes sense. I don't know anything about IPAs, but I'm sure this is a great drink. I got to try it sometime. If I'm ever in Minnesota, I'll be making it. <laughs> well, Juliet, um there's been some news. There's been tons uh, of news. Of the food variety, let's talk a little bit. All right. First up this week, House, this is, um, you know, relevant to the fans who know you from the BS pod and to fans of many people's favorite food, pizza. LeBron James is an investor in the company Blaze Pizza, and it has been deemed the fastest growing restaurant chain ever in the history of restaurant chains. So Blaze Pizza was founded five years ago with two pizza places in Southern California, Irvine and Pasadena. The idea was it was fast, affordable, high-quality pizza. And um, LeBron invested back in 2012. And then a couple years later, he ditched his McDonald's endorsement to become a more high-profile face of Blaze Pizza. And it's just paid off dividends because he's making mad bank off of this. And when he plays against the Lakers... And maybe when he's on the Lakers, he can eat a Blaze Pizza because it's, uh, they're opening a, a stall within the Staples Center. Oh, my God. I didn't know that yes. part. So tell me something. Have you tried this pizza? You know, I haven't. Um, I haven't either. There, it, I don't know if it's on the East Coast. Um, I don't think it is. It's Although it's in Miami, actually, because LeBron, when he first got involved, okay. he opened a couple right. in Miami and Chicago. Um, which is like kind of weird he didn't open one in Cleveland because Columbus, Ohio is known as, as being like a really good market, testing market for fast food. So he oh. could have opened one in Columbus. He could have opened one in Cleveland. I don't know. It just seemed like there was that was on the table for him. Um, he owns an estimated 10% of the company. And... Uh, they are on track to target $285 million this year and $1.1 billion by 2022. I'm not surprised. Everything LeBron touches, you know, he, he has a t- kind of a Midas touch. Now, uh, earlier uh, the, the, this week on the podcast with uh, Brother Simmons and, and Kevin O'Connor, I was kneeling at the altar of LeBron, so I, I want to be careful to, to give the P I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression about how far up LeBron's ass I'm going to go. Uh, <laughs> so I, 
I want to express a little skepticism. Okay. You described three elements of the pizza. We said it was affordable, high quality, and fast. Yes. Now, of those three attributes, high quality I like, affordable I like, I'm not sure fast is really something that I'm looking for in my pizza, which is why I was kind of wondering if you if you tried it. Um, well, go ahead. There's all of this like new quote unquote fast casual pizza places. Like there's 800 degrees um, at my old place of employment, ESPN at LA Live. There's like live there's like live basil pizza. Like the um, personalized artisan thin crust fast food pizza is kind of everywhere. So it's interesting that blaze is getting so much attention i think it's because of lebron because there are as some articles mentioned a lot of there's a lot of competitors but with he, like you said he has a minus touch so it, it almost like doesn't matter if it's good or not because this is like an exploding space and he just got in on it well it's true there is a place here in dc now that you mentioned it uh it's ampersand which i think they intend to be and pizza um that fits <laughs> all, all all of what you just described um uh, but I just, you know, the thing I saw in these, the story about Blaze was this idea that it would be ready in three minutes. Right. I, I don't, I just, that doesn't sound like pizza to me. Unless you have it, like some some amazing oven and then the real story should be like your your technological advancement in heating food. Who cares how good gotta, the pizza is? <laughs> that's, I mean, that sounds like microwave pizza to me. Yeah, But that's I'm true. not disparaging Blaze. I just feel like I need to try it and see what the idea is. Maybe it's not three minutes. Uh, maybe it's just, you know, um, it, the whole experience of ordering it and then you then you go and sit and wait, you know, some reasonable amount of time, four or five or six minutes for a small micro pizza to come out. Um, but I find the whole idea of uh, fast pizza, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm a little old school, so I'm a little skeptical about also, it. Also, if I'm having fast food pizza, I want it to come with garlic sauce. Like, what's the point otherwise? Like, just give me the Domino's with a side of garlic sauce, maybe some ranch as well. I don't know. I just I, hard, hard to go wrong with that stuff. I agree. I agree. I just, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to other ideas. So maybe we can do a Bla- road Blaze trip Pizza. We'll give a try. Maybe we yes. can take a field trip. And we'll go to Blaze Pizza. Yes. Just yes. an idea. Just an idea. I love it. Yeah, we got to do that. Okay. Much weirder story. Switching gears here. Um. In Florida last week, there's a man named Travis Adair. So he was home one Saturday morning slash Friday night. And at 4 a.m., they thought he and his family thought there's a thunderstorm going on because they heard a really large thud, like a, like a crashing sound. And they thought it was a thunderstorm. You know, that happens in uh, Florida in the summer, very humid, stormy, whatnot. And it turns out it was not a thunderstorm, but in fact, a 15-pound bag of frozen pork landed on their roof. And it was like, it just fell from the sky, frozen pork. Um, <laughs> there was no, pl- there was no plane that they saw, even though their home is near three three airports. But there was no like obvious derivation or like emanation point of this hunk of meat, L- literal hunk of meat. <laughs> so I have several things to say. Okay. First of all, of course this happened in Florida. Yeah, of course. Where, where else on planet Earth could this possibly happen? Second of all, I was greatly relieved that it that it landed on the roof and didn't go through the roof. I know. Because imagine being injured or even potentially killed by meat falling from the sky. Now, I having pondered it, that might be the way that I want to go. I, I kind of wouldn't mind, you know, being killed by, you know, 50 pounds of, uh, of, of of steak. I hope I would hope that it would be grade A Wagyu. That would be my preferred way. If, there's, if I'm going to be killed by falling meat, I want it to be the finest meat. But uh, 
I'm glad that nobody was injured. I know. Because 15 pounds fall, flying through the air feels like it could have, and it's frozen. So that's basically like a big brick. I know. That could have gone right through the roof, right? Absolutely. It's really, if it hits you on the head, I mean, you're knocked out. You're cooked, so to speak. <laughs> so the man whose house is with Travis Adair, he goes and he looks at the hunk of meat, and um, it had been shipped. It was like a, it was like a la- a package, like a label on it, like it was being shipped or something. And it had originally belonged to a guy named Jim Williams, who lived like 200 miles away in a different town in a rural town in Florida. And apparently, that guy. Uh, owns a company that prepares fields for planting and he had gone to a country fair in January like literally seven months ago where and he uh, bought some pigs kept a lot of the meat gave some of it away but still had no idea how it could have ended up on this guy's roof and like that still doesn't answer really any questions because like if he doesn't know how how it could have been shipped like why was his name on it like why was it labeled at all it just the whole thing is very confusing this is it, this could sounds like true detective season five. <laughs> That's, True food detectives. I mean, you know, set in Florida, uh, flying pork, seven months early. Yeah, right. None of it makes a lick of sense except for that it all happened in Florida. I just want to say if, if I ever own a home, which I hope to, and food falls on the roof, I do not want it to be pork. Like, I would prefer, like, chocolate or maybe Ooh. some really fancy steaks. I don't know. Like, something I'm, like, excited to get. Well, what do you think about um, that, that, that way of, of uh, passing on into the afterlife? Interesting. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, out of all the choices, if you had your choice, I guess. Uh, I guess one of my mantras in life is do it for the story, and I guess I would be willing to do that for the story if, if it meant that I'd get a lot of news coverage. <laughs> it would definitely get a lot of news coverage. This got a lot of news coverage, and all it did was fall on the roof. Oh my god! I know. Okay, moving on. Last story for you, House. Yeah. This one I feel upset about. So are you familiar with Umami Burger? I, I know the idea. I feel like we need to do a deep dive on this. This should be a segment on House of Carbs. Yeah, because I, I understand the idea of it. It's I find it very appealing. Um, I'm going to let you tell the people a little bit about the Umami Burger, what the goal of it was, and, and how it, it's been executed. Umami Burger is um, a burger chain that started in L.A. by this guy named Adam Fleischman. And like the simple answer is... Um, they're fancy burgers that are like very bespoke, and they come with a lot of different special kinds of ketchups, and they're really tasty. Um, but the kind of the original idea was a little bit more uh, robust than that, which is you're sort of trying to like reinvent the burger to like a, a, a introduce like additional additional flavors, basically. Would you say that's a, a good a good concise explanation? That's a, absolutely what I understand it to be. Yeah. I mean, I don't have it out here on the East Coast, but uh, the stories I've read suggest that's the the goal. Yeah. So. Uh, he is not done. This mad scientist is not done. He wants to keep reinventing our food. And this time he's coming for peanut butter and jelly. And there's a market here in LA, which we've discussed on House of Cards before, called the Grand Central Market, which is like basically um, an open air food court. Kind of oh, like yes. it's awesome. It's, it's wonderful. It's one of my favorite places oh, in LA. Yes. And oh, yes. they have a kiosk there, a stall, where they're selling basically really high end glorified Uncrustables. Now, I know you have a child. Does your child like Uncrustables? Um, he is allergic to a bunch of stuff. So oh, wow. I'm sad to say he hasn't he hasn't been had the pleasure. Has he ever had peanut butter? No, he's allergic. Oh my God. How do you let him outside of the house? Uh a lot of <laughs> meat. He's a meat Sorry. eater. Sorry. He's a meat eater. Un- uncomfortable digression. Anyway. No, no. I mean, you know. It's the life we lead. <laughs> that is that is such a um 
There's a lot of poetry in a man who loves food as much as you having to contend with that house. <laughs> no, you know what? It's opened up my eyes. Uh, I have uh, been really impressed with the diversity and array of foods that replicate dairy-based foods and foods with nut um, components and all of the, the um, highly successful flavor profile replication. So You'd you, be shocked. It makes you an even more of a food expert. Okay, I like it. Anyway, back to the PB&J. So he's trying to reinvent the PB&J into like a sort of like a, like a, like a, like a, a pocket. It's almost like an empanada, but it's PB&J inside. And to quote him, he says, we're trying to create disruptive products. And so the sandwiches feature a round bread made by a local baker who you won't identify. This is an article from the LA Times, by the way. We'll, we'll, we'll link out to it. And I find that really fascinating. Like, why can't you name the baker? Like, is it, does he have, like, a patent pending? He doesn't want anyone to have the recipe? So the thing is, uh, I, I'm very skeptical of all of this. Now, I want to be open-minded uh, on all food things. And I've, you know, obviously what what if Umami Burger wants to sponsor House of Carbs? I don't want to say bad things about <laughs> Mr. Fleischman or his products. I mean, Umami uh, Burger is very good. I, it is delicious and they have really good tater tots. Um, I don't like food being treated as a potentially disruptive product. I just, I, it turns me off right away, especially taking a nostalgia food like a PB&J. So the way to innovate there is to introduce the wonderful ingredients and, and ways of building a sandwich through the, the essential components um, that are available now that weren't available when we were uh, kids. When I was a kid growing up, you had two choices of peanut butter and five choices of jelly. Now, the world is your oyster, and I like very much this idea, jams made with rosé and stone fruit, nut butters from pistachios and almonds, espresso and organic chocolate. Okay, great. Now we're talking. I get those ideas. But if you, you start calling it a disruptive product, and it makes me curl up a fist. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to punch anybody over it, but it it bothers me. Yeah, I just I, like just say is you're you're in it you're you're building off of the classic idea. That's all. Yeah, I I agree with you because first of all, I love PB and J, and even more than that, I fucking love a fancy jam, a delicious preserve. Right, I love yes. it. Sarah Beth, right. Sarah Beth's preserves. Have you ever had that? It's like twelve dollars a jar, and I would pay oh for god. it every time. It's so good. <laughs> I haven't had it. I haven't had. It. I don't know this. Oh my god, you got to get the strawberry peach preserves from Sarah Beth. You can order it online. My mom has sent it to me as a birthday present like several years because I love it so much. That's outstanding. I love a fancy jam. So this sounds great to me, but let's just be a little bit more straightforward. Like he was directly asked by the LA Times about the the similarities to the Uncrustables. And he says, quote, those are the frozen burger version. Ours are organic and varied to the max and fresh and artisanal and, of course, bigger. So that's annoying. Like, okay, those probably those are all true, but like, let's just be like ours are better or something like that. I don't know. I, artis- this is the thing. Artisanal it's just doesn't sell the me. Wrong way. I, I, I know. I, I use artisanal like in a derogatory way to discuss LeBron's pizza. So I certainly don't want my beloved PB and J to be artisanal. <laughs> let's just make yeah, it delicious. And I, I don't, you know, I don't feel like you've really done anything in terms of advancing the PB and J with the with the round pocket bread. Totally. I don't want to. I don't want to pee to PB and J. I mean, I know. I, I'm. I, I'm 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 holding out uh, judgment. I'll I'll try it. Uh, but if you try and stick PB and J inside a pita and tell me you're innovating again, I'm gonna curl up. I mean, you might see me with some fists. I'm not gonna <laughs> swing. I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But I just it just rubs me the wrong way, Julia. Yeah, we got cues for you, Adam Fleischman. But that said, 
I want I wanted them to succeed. It sounds really good to me. Yes, both of us agree. We wanted to succeed, and it sounds delicious to both of us. Juliet, another outstanding food news. Thank Very you. excited to have you on. Next week, we have uh, the second part of our interview with the great David Chang. So we'll have oh. to find a couple stories that that kind of fit the flavor profile of the things that we talk about with Chang. Cool. That sounds great to yeah. me. Yeah. Let's do it to it. Thank you, my sister. Bye, house. Bye-bye. All right, another fantastic food news with Juliet Littman, of course. Just a quick reminder, podcast pals, all of the Ringer podcasts are available on Spotify, the entire Ringer podcast network. Check it out, Spotify.com. And now a visit with our good pal Craig Gaines on the Apple Pan. All right, podcast pals, we have warned you that on occasion we will be bringing onto the House of Carbs Ringer family and friends with a particular perspective on items of food interest. I am very pleased to welcome to this episode Ringer.com copy editor extraordinaire and L.A. Food scene expert, Craig Gaines. Craig, what is happening, my man? Hey, House, thanks for having me. Longtime fan of the show. See, we've been on for all of three episodes, and you've been a longtime fan, so we appreciate that very been much. With now, you the Craig. Whole way. <laughs> right. Uh, you are on this week to talk about a restaurant that made a very brief appearance right. on last week's episode. We, we uh, had. Both uh, the great Michael Lombardi, yeah. Mike Lombardi, who came on to talk about diners, and David Chang, we picked his brain a little bit about diners as well. And during the chat with Lombardi, one restaurant uh, made an appearance, and I was uh, I was made to understand that that you have a particular expertise when it comes to this restaurant. Now I promise the House of Carbs people that we will not be purely LA centric. With this show, we're going to try and cover the whole these whole United States as we go through it. But when when a restaurant comes on where we have somebody a built-in resource like Craig to tell us all about uh, a particular place of interest, we have to leverage that resource. Craig, tell us about the Apple Pan. Well, I was really happy that Lombardi brought it up uh, last week because this is uh, the Apple Pan really stands out in Los Angeles. For a few reasons, but the main reason is it's been around for 70 years. And in L.A. years, that's like 140 years. You know, L.A. is the kind of place where after a year, a restaurant seems old. And everyone in L.A. is always very excited about the next food food trend. The Apple Pan is in complete contrast to that. It's been around for 70 years this year. And it's a it's a hamburger stand that has two hamburgers. There's the steak burger, which is the burger that they started out with in the 20s. And then there's the new kid on the block, the Hickory Burger, which uh, they brought onto the menu in 1945. Uh, that's it in terms of burgers. And they're phenomenal burgers. You can get some fries as well. And there's some uh, pies you can have at the end. There are some fountain drinks. And um, that's really it. It is a very, um, it's a very simple menu. There's a few other sandwiches, but for the most part, what you see is what you get. And um, the burgers are phenomenal. Um, it's, it's, I would call it a very eatable burger. And what I mean by that is um, it's not this enormous mess of a burger. It's served 
uh, to you right on the counter in wax paper, and it it sticks together the whole time. Uh, it's a very simple um, bun. The patty is not too thick, but it's 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 not so thin that you don't notice it. There's a beautiful, uh, nice uh, wedge of, of iceberg uh, right in the middle, and there, there are a few uh, pickles. Uh, the Hickory Burger has their own secret um, kind of sweet and smoky uh, barbecue sauce, and uh, they ask if you want cheese on it. I've never even thought about not getting cheese on, on one of the right. burgers. Right. Have to have the cheese. Definitely have to have the cheese. Um, I, since this is a podcast by and for the hungry, I would say that house on your first time there, you should get at least one of each and leave you know leave leave open the possibility for a third. They're not huge burgers. Um, you know they're not so small they're going to be disappointed. But I think after the first one, you're only going to want um, you're you're only going to want number two and maybe number three. Um, well, go ahead. No, I was going to say one of the things uh, that intrigues me about the Apple Pan experience is um, how committed they've been to keeping their footprint the same over these entire 70 years. We have, uh, what is it, 26 seats in the joint? Yeah, yeah. And you sent me a, uh, a video that is, you know, sp- supposed to sort of uh, be a facsimile of the competition for those, for those counter seats. What's going on? How 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 crowded does it get? I mean, obviously, uh, it's just twenty six seats, so it's not you know it's perfectly situated L shape. Right. But um, you know, what's the line like? What's the line scene like? So the the counter is it's a U, and it's it surrounds uh, it surrounds the the the. the the griddle, basically. And so um, when it does get crowded, there's really not a line. There's just, there's another concentric U that kind of forms around the seats. And, you know, there's a little bit of gamesmanship and there's a little bit of sociability to getting a seat. You come in and you kind of mentally tick off, okay, here's where I am in line. And, you know, Every time I've been there, everyone has been very cool. Everyone kind of knows, okay, this guy was here first. And even if those seats on the whole other side of the counter are open, I'm not going to be a jerk and just wedge my way in. I'm going to say, okay, this guy over here, he, he, gets, he gets the seats first. Now, let's be honest, that doesn't happen every single time. And this video I sent you is a great Instagram video by these guys uh, under the handle toothpicks with an X at the end. And it's two guys uh, in a kind of a representation of the Apple pan. And they are both just like running pell-mell for one seat that has become open. If it's not like that in real life, it is at least like that mentally. Because here's what happens when you get there. Before you see the burgers, you smell them. And the aroma is just, you smell it outside. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's, yeah. So, it's just, it's so delicious. And so if you go and you're already hungry and you have to wait, I mean, like, it's all just, it's all working. And, and you want those burgers so quickly. And so once you see a seat open and you know that somebody else is going to have that seat first, you, you know, you, you be a guy and you let them have the seat. But on the inside, you're like, damn it, I need somebody else to get down with their burger so I can sit down. Um what so I, everybody, the, when you get your seat, what's a reasonable amount of time to consume your food? How long do you are you allowed to sit and eat? I have never gotten pressure to wrap up from the servers. There's kind of just this sort of like social contract that you're in, right? right? You're sitting yeah. down and you know what it was like to wait. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. 
maybe there's a little dark part of you that you're like, you know what, I'm just going to take my time because I know, like, you know, the value of the seat that you're in. But usually you're like, okay, uh, I got I got my burger and fries, maybe my other burger. I got my pie, maybe a cup of coffee. I'm done. Had conversation for maybe like an extra 10 minutes. And then you wrap up. Um, so is that a is it a 20 minute seating, a 30 minute seating? I would What's reasonable. I would I would say 30. I don't think you need to do in 20. You, you don't need to feel super rushed. OK, you know, that's 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 important to me. I don't like to rush my no, meals. Definitely. And, and what makes it easier is the servers there are I mean, the place has been open for 70 years and the guys working there have been working there for decades. They have everything down to an absolute science. So you sit down. The menu is already there. And within, you know, a matter of of a minute or two, your order is in. And these guys are just, it's, I mean, it's just like magic. They're just, they're, they're getting you your burger. They're getting you your fries. The minute you're done with your burger, they're, they're not really asking you if you want pie. They're more sort of telling you, okay, now it is time for pie. And you can always say, no, they're not going to give you the hard sell, but they kind of, everyone understands it. Everyone is there for a reason. You're there for the burgers. You're there for the fries. You're there for the pie. And, you know, the pie is just, to die for. There's apple pie, banana cream pie. We had a boysenberry pie with my wife last weekend, and it was a boysenberry pie with uh, boysenberry pie with a nice like layer of cream on top. I mean, just oh my. delicious. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I had to get apple the first time in, Definitely. but I, I I could vary the pie, you know, on on subsequent visits. Now, I, I get the idea of there's 26 folks sitting around the U, and then another 20 some people standing behind. Right. Is there also a line outside? I'm sure there have been times when there have, I've never seen a line outside. The thing is, okay. is it, it it seems it almost seems magically constructed to perfectly fit everyone at, at any one time. Because the thing is, is the turnover is so is so efficient that I don't think they ever get to that point where they're all the way out the door. I mean, I don't you know, I don't live there, so I, I haven't seen it every time. But I have always seen it be it's crowded, but it is always a a, a manageable crowd. Something that, that you and can what, always work with. So you, you mentioned the social contract. Have you observed an instance where a person or two came in, finally got their seats, sat down, and then did kind of the uh, Elaine at the Soup Nazi kind of a thing? <laughs> oh, well, tell me about this, This uh, what's in the burger. Tell me about what's in the sandwich. Uh, yeah. Do you ever see that kind of thing go on there? Yes, and, you know, while the servers are great, and I don't think they're in any way rude, they are very to the point. And, you know, listen, it's a burger, you know, and, and it's not it, it, it's a burger that's like either like, you know, 70 or, you know, like uh, uh, like, you know, 50 years old. There's really not much science to it. So there's not really much to say. They also I mean, there are certain things like they won't tell you like like, you know, how, how they make their sauce and they do make the sauce. They don't, you know, just like get it from a bottle or something. So, you know, they'll 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 tell you as much as you need to know. But it's also helped along by the fact that the menu is it really it couldn't be simpler. I would say that the that the guys who work there, um, they will talk to you just enough to get to get the job done. And if there's a patron who's maybe taking a little bit too much time, they're going to sort of let that person sort of, you know, talk him or herself out and then come back a little bit later when they're ready for their order. Okay. Well, let me tell you what I found uh, really appealing in the research to this. And I thought it was a really excellent uh, uh, spot to have on this podcast because we had Chris Bianco, the world's foremost uh, pizza 
uh, savant mm -hmm. on, and and a big part of that conversation with Chris was about the the simple elements of the way, of, of his ingredients and his simple approach to building a delicious pizza. And what jumped out at me was uh, the Apple Pan menu has stamped right on there, quality forever. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of this. The effort to do simple things exceedingly well, quality, flavor, painstaking preparation in every essential ingredient of the food. Now, that's a lofty standard. Uh, we know Chris Bianco has hit it. Tell, give me a rating on the Apple Pan. They put it right on the menu there, Craig. Do they hit that lofty standard? They, 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 they knock it out of the park. I mean, oh yeah, I, they, they really. I, I would honestly call it a ten out of ten. I mean, a ten because, out of ten. Listen, there's some like I, I have personal opinions about burgers. Um, I, I I don't I don't always think that that burgers can't be sort of like you know um, a, a little like uh, considered or you know you can make a burger somewhat fancy. That's fine by me. But when I'm going for the burgers that I absolutely want, I want a solid bun. I want um, a really good patty. I want just enough condiments to accentuate everything, but not drown everything out. I want right. I want good cheese and and you know the iceberg. It's amazing the the iceberg, which is maybe the thing that you know is it it, it, it figures least in the flavor profile. It's so important because of the texture. It's right. just amazing. You know the my crunch. It it really is. It's the crunch. Uh, my wife wrote about these guys for the L.A. Times this year. We're kind of a package deal. Uh, because they turned 70. One of the things they talked about with her was they're very particular about the, the way they do the iceberg because they want each bite of the sandwich to be a little different. This is how much they think about it. And it's really true. When you're biting around the uh, like the edge, you know, you're getting uh, like a lot of the patty and you're like, okay, that's the sauce. And then you get more into the middle and the iceberg is right there. And it's just, I mean, it's just delicious. It's That's incredible. It's, it's yeah. exactly what you want. It's that attention, that painstaking attention to detail. Right. right. And uh, they, and so they, there, there you have it, House of Carbs people. If you're in L.A., what part of town is the Apple Pan in, Craig? It's in West L.A. It's on Pico, right across from the Westside Pavilion Mall. Okay, so make sure one of the must must stops if you're if you're uh, gonna do L.A. proper from a food point of view, you have to hit the Apple Pan, right, Craig? Absolutely. Get a pie too. Get and get a pie. Can you get a pie to go? Yeah, and actually, like around Thanksgiving, they just sell them by the hundreds. It's it's pretty yes. nice. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, Craig Gaines, thank you for joining. This is going to be a recurring thing. Now, it's not going to be expo focused exclusively on L.A. food, so we'll branch out. But, uh, Craig, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to having you on again soon. Anytime. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Podcast peoples, thank you so much for listening to House of Carbs part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Please keep the great suggestions, recommendations, pictures coming. We have wonderful uh, episodes coming up, all due to your fantastic input. Keep the belly sourcing coming. I think Bill Simmons might have a thought on some belly sourcing. Yeah, I'm just waiting for you to finish this so I can, so I can do my podcast. But I, <laughs> I have, yeah, belly sourcing is fantastic. House's belly is coming to Los Angeles. In August, uh, for multiple days, and I have a whole bunch of places I want to take them to, but uh, L.A. Belly Sourcers, if you have anything you're super excited about, send it to at house. 
from DC on Twitter. At, on the Twitter. At House from DC on the Twitter and the Instagram. Yeah. And in the meantime, my friends, let's stay hungry out there.